Hello, everybody, and welcome to Unaired, the show where we take TV shows canceled with episodes left unaired, review them, and then pitch our ideas for how we think they could have continued. I'm Ed, and with me today, from the Love You Like Crazy podcast, it's Jacob. Hi, thanks for having me on. Of course, and you came prepared with a TV show that is a very strange TV show. I used to watch this back in the day, and I also used to watch the um, animated version when I was a child. Mm-hmm. We watched The Tick, the live-action version from 2001. Yeah. Um, did you... So there... Right. So there have been like four versions of this thing. There was the original comic book. Then there was the cartoon. Then there was this. Then there was another live-action show that started last year, I think, on Amazon Prime. Yep. And unfortunately, that also ended up getting axed. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, so did you experience all of those back in the day? Or, well, I guess not the Amazon Prime one, but or the animated one you said you saw? Yep, I saw the animated one. Um, I didn't read any of the comics. Uh, I was a little young to be getting into comics at that time. Sure. Uh, I did watch basically every television iteration of this. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely weird to go back and see this because so this show aired on Fox from uh, November 8th, 2001 to January 31st, 2002 and it only had nine episodes and it definitely looks like it aired in 2001. I would say a lot of the jokes are also kind of 2001-y. Yeah, very much. And I don't know if you felt the same way, but uh, there was something super like Uncanny Valley about the Tick's costume. Hmm. And I don't know if that was just because he doesn't have the, like, full, like, eye mask or anything. Because his full face is visible. Right. Yeah. And I think that might just be because they're just like, oh, we got Patrick Warburton. We can't cover up his face. Yeah, there were some, I you know, I did a little reading up on it. And, yeah, that was basically the idea. They were like, his face is so expressive. Uh, and I'm thinking, and also, he's super handsome and Patrick Warburton-y. So why wouldn't you? Why would you cover it up, I guess? So, did, have you actually watched any of the other iterations? Yeah, uh, like you, I watched I watched the original cartoon, and I've also seen the more recent live-action one. And I did read at least some of the comic books, although I don't remember them very well. The big thing I remember from the comic books that's kind of stuck with me is that there's like a, um, there's a school for ninjas in the comic book uh, that is sort of this cheap knockoff version of ninjutsu. And (laughs) so um, there's like, there's a scene, well, there's one scene where like the ninjas are all hiding outside this mansion and they've disguised themselves as bushes by basically just holding a bunch of twigs and people are going by and they're like, "Uh, don't pay attention to me. I'm a twig, you know, I'm a bush and things like that. <laughs> and after reading that, I just always think of it whenever I see large groups of anonymous ninjas in any kind of like in daredevil, the daredevil thing on Netflix, there are ninjas in that. And I just kept thinking of the tick comic book <laughs> from that. Um, and then the cartoon and then the most recent, li- recent live action one. And this, I remembered this, I, You know, I watched this probably in like 2004 or something when it came out on DVD and I remembered it fondly, but I would have to say that this is by far my least favorite of the incarnations. 
Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think Patrick Warburton has the build for the character, but I feel like Peter Serafanowicz did a better job kind of being the character. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I like Patrick Warburton a lot, but uh, I don't know. I feel like the scripts are not that, like, they are pretty inconsistent about how, what the tick is like, and I think that doesn't do him any favors. That's definitely fair. Yeah, and the Arthur and Arthur is kind of you know, Arthur is sort of different from his other incarnations as well. And uh, he I, he took who portrays him? Uh, David Burke. Yep, David Burke. Yeah, I don't know. He took a little. I getting used to him uh, for me. He did feel like a more uh, confident version of the character, right? Which I feel kind of detracts from what that character basically is. Yeah, like the the smart coward, right? Yep. The one with the common sense in this crazy world. Yeah, we get a little bit of that in this episode, too. So, what did you think overall of the pilot? Uh, I mean, it... So, I, I also watched the other episodes. Um, and I think that the pilot is pretty inconsistent as is true of the other episodes as well. Uh, there are some things which I like, you know, like, well, just in the opening scene where the tick is at a bus station, which he has sworn to protect and someone is having trouble getting the coffee machine to dispense coffee. And he beats up the coffee machine until the coffee comes out. Uh, and that all seemed very tick like to me. Like that's kind of what I want the tick to be is like, obsessed with justice and just very enthusiastic about any kind of nonsense thing that enters his head. But it also has the line, uh, Java devil, you are now my bitch, <laughs> which is, I don't know. I just feel like the tick, that's not what I want the tick to be saying per se. And I, I would say that, uh, Ben Edlund, I guess, singled out that line as one that he tried to get removed, uh, from the show, but wasn't able to. Yeah. Some of the lines feel very, very much like Fox executives stepped in and said, we got to make this a little edgy. Yeah, totally. And that definitely stood out. I wrote down the Java devil. You are not my bitch as well. Yeah. So that's basically how the uh, show starts off is the tick is swearing to defend a bus station. We know that he doesn't have memories prior to being the tick. That's Mm -hmm. like the trademark of his character. So... He's there, he beats up the coffee machine, and I guess it's one of the owners of the bus station, they never clarify, but he walks up behind the tick, drops a bus ticket, goes, hey, you dropped this. The tick thinks that he was planning a trip to the city, which is the name of the city, and that's how he kind of gets rid of him. And as he's getting onto a bus, he picks up a hubcap, goes over to a young teenager, says, here, pimply teen, it's time for the truth. This hubcap wasn't magic. The magic was inside of you all along. Yeah, that all made me laugh. I, I just enjoyed it. <laughs> it was just so... His performance is very over the top, which I do like. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing is very cartoony. I mean, I would say in some ways even more cartoony than the actual cartoon. Um, there are a lot of shots and things that are, you know, that look like a panel from a comic book, right? 
Like when oh, he's yeah. on the bus, leaning out of the bus, looking it straight into camera. It's like, there's your shot. You know, there's your panel, the last panel in the comic or whatever. Yeah. And there's there's quite a few shots where he like just barrels down the lens and it's just great. Yeah. So he gets on the bus and heads over to the city. And then we meet Arthur and his boss is played by Christopher Lloyd, which kind of surprised me. I didn't expect Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, I'm interested in that. I guess uh, this one of the people behind the this particular TV series was, um, oh, geez, now I don't remember his name. Oh, Barry Sonnenfeld, yep. who made Men in Black and stuff. So I, I guess he used his contacts to get some fairly big name actors to play cameos in this thing, uh, in the series as a whole. So, yeah, Christopher Lloyd comes in as a very cartoony angry accountant boss he's so angry he he's very angry <laughs> i wrote down the line arthur my time is worth 17 dollars a second and i want an explanation that costs less than 1500 dollars." yeah yes and the line that, that i wrote down was uh you're built like a sensible shoe you shouldn't be jumping around town in a body sock fighting crime <laughs> yeah so he's trying to convince arthur to stay an accountant and to not go out and fight crime. Arthur is very comically the only one dressed up in a superhero suit in an accounting firm. Mm -hmm. He says, don't fight crime. Crime fights back. Don't you remember Metcalf? Metcalf? He lost all his game pieces like you, bought a jetpack, and now the poor bastard needs a machine to poop. Yeah, uh, I wasn't crazy about that. Metcalf does return in a later episode of this thing in a scene that I also didn't particularly like. <laughs> I do like that, that they do have a few recurring jokes throughout this episode, and yes. I do like they stick with it. And that is one of the recurring uh, jokes. That's true, yes. They later run into the uh, Russian goons who apparently were responsible for Metcalf's sad fate. Yes, for his depoopification. Yes. So... Fishladder gives him... Oh, his name is Mr. Fishladder. I don't know if I mentioned that. Fishladder gives him an ultimatum. And then we cut to a bar where the tick is standing on the roof. He gives one of his signature uh, bizarre monologues and then just dives off. Then we cut to inside the bar and Arthur is drinking and talking to an old man dressed in a superhero suit. And he's basically saying... Oh, yeah, I'm so glad I don't have that weight on my shoulders of being an accountant anymore. Now I can be like you guys and fight crime and save lives. Meanwhile, this old superhero is stacking shots into a pyramid and knocking it over. Yeah, he does it twice, which is uh, dedication of a sort, I suppose. He looks pretty hard, uh, hard living superhero bum there. Yeah, and his suit is very reminiscent of, like, early era, like, superhero comics. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, if you go back and look at, like, the old black and white super, uh, Superman films, how it's basically all just one cloth piece. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, you know, he has the cape and everything. Um, the name of the bar is The Lonely Panda, and I guess it's also a Chinese restaurant. Yes, and uh, we meet the owner, who says... Arthur, that suit doesn't do a lot for you. You look like an Easter bunny. Arthur says, well, it flies. Bunnies don't fly. And we see his uh, wings pop out, which are very cheap looking. 
which I think is kind of part of the uh, joke. Yes. They did do a lot to uh, make the costumes of everyone else look very good. Mm-hmm. And his just looks like he sewed it together himself. It's just very... Well, it's basically kind of like the uh, old superhero guys, where it's just like cheap cloth-looking type thing. Yeah. Um, and the owner basically encourages him to kill himself. <laughs> yeah, I did think that was odd. She was just like, yeah, go jump off the roof. Try it out. Yeah. And then she's like, I think he's going to kill himself. And... Uh... The drunk superhero knocks over his shot glasses again. Yep, he uh, went for the strike. Yes. <laughs> uh, then we get uh, one of my favorite Tick monologues. He says, City, I will spread my buttery justice over every nook and cranny. Your toast will never go bare again. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, I feel like Ben Edlin can write a monologue that is just nonsense from beginning to end like nobody else it's just really great if that's your thing and obviously it's totally my thing i agree it's definitely my thing too because i i had to rewind it because i lost it i was just like are you is is he talking about toast <laughs> <laughs> then we see arthur encounter the russian mob and they're talking about how they press a button and they will unleash the red scare which was built in 1979 yeah. And their plan is to eliminate the U.S. postal system. Right. And yeah, the, none of this is ever explained, which is fine. Um, the They bought the Red Scare apparently from Vlad's army surplus, or at least that's what's on the van that they're in front of. Yeah, I, I would like to see that kind of return as like an Acme-esque kind of store. Oh, yeah, that's true. That would be good. So Arthur stumbles upon them. And they see him, grab him, and plan to teach him a lesson. They refer to it as the lesson of Metcalf. Arthur has a very high-pitched shriek, and the tick jumps down to save him. He screams, unhand that woman, sees Arthur, and then says, oh, awkward moment. Right. Uh, I don't know if you would make that joke today, but uh, it's not um, It's not a bad joke, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely very much of the time. Yeah. Um and some things that I think, like, from a character perspective that I like about this little bit is that the Tick immediately recognizes Arthur as another superhero and takes him seriously as that, and also immediately recognizes him as a moth, which nobody else does in, the, in most of the incarnations of this, of this uh, property. Uh, and I, you know, the show doesn't make a big deal of it, but I just kind of like that as a little thing, showing that these two are immediately a team, even if they don't quite realize it. Yeah, I, I also wrote that down too. Um, he, he calls him Mothman. And he says like, oh, do you mind if I get in on this? Like thinking, oh, Arthur's got this handled. Yeah, it's good. And then there's a fight where, the you know, it's centered on Arthur who does nothing during the entire fight. And you just see the tick or like striding past and throwing people around. You don't actually see the fight itself at all, which I'm guessing partly may have been a budgetary uh, decision, but also I feel like kind of works in just having the focus on this guy. Yeah, uh, budget was one of the uh, main reasons that this show didn't end up succeeding. Uh, I know they were very upset with the budget going over most of their other shows, and they also didn't like the fact that they didn't own the show. 
so they didn't mm. promote it too well. Yeah, it was put in a weird time slot, right? Yep, it was in a weird time slot, and they just didn't really do any promo of it. But, uh, unfortunately, that led to its demise. Mm. So, after this, uh, the tick says, Come on, Mothman, to the rooftops. And as he's walking away, he steps on the button to activate the Red Scare. And he's completely oblivious to the fact that it gets out of the Vlad's van. And Arthur just kind of watches it like, oh, shit. Like that kind of expression on his face. Mm-hmm. He climbs up to the rooftops. And this is where we meet Batman Well. Yeah. Is uh, played by the actor that played, um, oh, God, I'm forgetting his name now. He was on Lost. Uh, Richard Halpert. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't recognize him. Uh, I didn't either. Huh. Yeah, but he uh, he's a very pompous kind of ladies' man character. Right. I guess kind of makes sense because he's supposed to be a parody of Batman, and Bruce Wayne is this like billionaire playboy. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's very crass and over-the-top about it because Arthur recognizes him and says, Oh, you saved that bus full of supermodels. Yes, I saved them three times if you get my meaning. And the tick just goes, I don't. <laughs> yes. And that joke recurs a few times. And it's it's uh, the fact that he doesn't understand what he's talking about and also doesn't mind admitting it immediately is real fun to me. Um, and I think Batman well uh, and Captain Liberty, who enters the scene next, uh, I don't really feel like they have have their characters yet per se. Um, but as the series go on, I think they both kind of like in later episodes, you know, by the end of the, the season and the show, I felt like, like Batman. Well is still remains kind of the sexist oversexed jerk kind of to the end, but this just from the, the way that the actor portrays him, there's also this weird sweetness to him that, uh, Makes him kind of a better character than he might have seemed on the page. I don't know. Um, that w- anyway, that's my opinion. I don't know if you've what your thoughts on Batman well are. Um, I do think this is another like product product of the times thing because I don't yeah. think this character would have would fly present day at least not in this current iteration. I mean, we have characters like uh, Barney Stinson on How I Met Your Mother that the show kind of started out in that era. And then as it went on, the character evolved into more of a multidimensional character. So I think if they did that with Batman well, if this series has gone had gone on, then maybe it would have flown better. But Kind of another thing that I read was that um, the producer, uh, Larry Charles, wanted the show to be like Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and so I... Th- think you kind of see that with this like okay so we have the four characters we've got you know uh three men and a woman and they're all kind of jerks to each other i mean except the tick who is not a jerk to anyone ever pretty much uh except in rare situations i suppose Um, or accidentally (laughs) yeah so um yeah it's I mean, you can kind of see, right? Like once I read that and I was watching this, I was like, oh yeah, Seinfeld, sure. I can see it. That also kind of explains how uh, Patrick Warburton got involved. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Because he was on Seinfeld. Yeah. They probably saw him and were just like, ooh, 
he'd be perfect for this role. Mm-hmm. So as we're getting the introductions to Captain Liberty and Batman well, they start arguing, and then they start making out, and the tick steps in gum. Yep. And Arthur keeps saying, hey, the red scare's down there. The robot's doing this. The robot's doing that. No one's paying attention to him. And the tick yells out, who puts gum on a roof? <laughs> Which I thought was very funny. <laughs> yes. It's, you know, don't sweat the little things, but there are no little things to the tick. No. Uh, for a tick, everything's big. Yes. Correct. <laughs> so Arthur leaves, very disappointed. The tick shows up at his apartment, starts knocking on the door, and accidentally breaks it. Says, hey, you need a new door. Mm -hmm. Says, show me your secret headquarters. Starts pulling, like, light fixtures out of the wall, thinking it's going to be a switch. Flips the couch. And Arthur says, well, th there is no there is no secret headquarters. This is just my apartment. Yeah. A, a line which was also in the animated series was is... Uh, you know, while he's destroying Arthur's apartment and looking for secret stuff, he asks, what does your couch turn into? And Arthur says, it turns into a bed. <laughs> I did like that line. Uh, I also liked um, Arthur when he's saying that he's not meant to be a superhero. He says, superheroes are egotistical and sexually repressed. No offense. And the tick says, none comprehended. <laughs> yeah. Probably my favorite line of this whole show. It's very good. Uh, so he gives Arthur a motivational speech and says, like, nah, you're, you're going to be, like, great at this. And he brings in one of the Russian uh, mob and he ties him up with a stop sign or a street sign of some sort. Mm -hmm. One way, I think. Yep, one way. That's what it was. Um, and he basically, like, interrogates him and they find out that the Red Scare was built to assassinate Jimmy Carter. Uh, but they didn't really have a chance to reprogram it because they were going to assassinate the Postmaster General. Yeah. Very comic booky, Kind of reminiscent of like the Batman original series from the like 60s. Uh, Arthur looks down, sees a newspaper that says Jimmy Carter in town. <laughs> and he goes, oh, Jimmy Carter's in town. Yeah, right. And the text says something like, uh, what are the odds of that or something? Yeah, exactly. That's true. I hadn't thought of that connection to uh, the Bat the Batman series, but yeah, I think that's very apt. And one of my uh, other favorite things is that to get around, they take a taxi, and just the image of a superhero getting out of a taxi is very funny to me. Yeah, and then Arthur, like, the tick just runs off, and Arthur has to pay the cab driver and everything. Yeah, I love his uh, naivety, because he just runs off and says, I have no money! <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's shot you know this is another one of those cartoon panel shots because it's shot from above so you just see you know this perfectly framed taxi from the top and the superhero is getting out and something one thing i wanted to mention in the earlier scene that i liked a lot is like when uh when the tick brings in the mobster or whatever arthur just like kind of unleashes on the guy like yells at him and it's like you attacked me da, da, da. and the tick says whoa hold on there bad cop <laughs> yeah because <laughs> he think he genuinely thinks like arthur is like so good at this that he's being good cop bad cop it's just uh, that's one aspect i love is just his pure naivety it's just it never stops being funny which is 
you would think that they would beat down that joke, but they make it work every time. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the fact that Patrick Warburton and the other actors who've been in this role, like just, they always commit like a hundred percent is really key to it. Oh, definitely. Like even like Peter Serafanowitz, like he kept that whole like optimistic naivety. They, they all nail it to a T. Yeah. Um, and the ticket, what the tick says to Arthur is, I believe in you. I always have. That's why I'm here. Destiny dressed you this morning, my friend, and now fear is trying to pull off your pants. And I think he later gives the exact same speech to someone else. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it, you know, again, like it's just his innocence. Like that's just genuinely how he feels probably about 90% of the people that he meets. He's like, I'm here. I believe in you. I know you're capable of greatness. That would have been great if they like kept that going throughout the series. Like yeah. he's at a bank and the bank teller is getting yelled at by an angry customer. So he just like walks up and says that like, I mean, I guess it's kind of the hubcap thing from earlier. You know, you don't need this hubcap. The real power is inside you. Exactly. Uh, so they get into the elevator of this hotel and it's like a very comical, like silence. Like, that's one thing I love is elevator scenes where people are just kind of standing there and you hear, like, girl from Ipanema playing or something. Like, just elevator music. Mm-hmm. And then they start kind of arguing. And then the uh, doors open mid-argument. Yep. Jimmy Carter's out there. As Arthur yells, I don't want a machine that makes me poop. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tick just ignores the fact that the Secret Service is there. Grabs Jimmy Carter and pulls him into the elevator with no warning. Yeah. And he's just like, don't worry, uh, Mr. Carter, we're going to save you. And President Carter's freaking out, like pressing buttons, trying to get the call button to work. And he said they basically say, don't worry, there's a robot named the Red Scare. He's coming to get you. But don't worry, you'll be fine. He can't find you here. And on cue, breaks through the top of the elevator. And... Uh, he starts kind of fighting with the tick, mm-hmm. but, um, it's like a very dumb fight. Like they just kind of head, be- uh, headbutt each other back and forth. Good helmet. Yeah. Good helmet <laughs> is what the tick retorts. Uh, the robot cuts the elevator cords and smashes ticks head outside of the elevator and is just like grinding it against the, uh, the elevator shaft. And the tick is just like, must stop elevator with head and arthur kind of like gains his confidence back here because he says mr president i'm gonna save you he grabs him and he deploys his wings which works surprisingly Mm -hmm. i thought this was gonna be like a very like comical scene where like he tries to like fly away and doesn't do anything like he just kind of like tries to jump up it doesn't do anything but he saves the president the elevator crashes and the tick survives because he's indestructible basically and says gravity is a harsh mistress yeah i think uh nigh invulnerable is the uh is his description of himself yeah i think you're right um and it's very accurate (laughs) yeah then they are in the i think they're back at the chinese restaurant slash bar yeah the lonely panda yep looks like it's the same set and they're recounting the tale to Batman Well and Captain Liberty. Batman Well's in the cast. Yep, 
uh, because he got too handsy with Captain Liberty. And he asks Arthur to sign it. Uh, while they're signing it, uh, fortune cookies come out. The tick, being his naive self, shows the whole thing in his mouth, starts chewing it, takes out the uh, fortune, goes, my teeth just gave me paper. A secret message from my teeth. That's what it was. Um, and he reads it, says, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I don't get it. <laughs> Which is the perfect, perfect fortune for this naive character. <laughs> yes. And then there's some uh, chaos happening outside. We find out that it is Apocalypse Cow. Yes. Which I think might have been a play on Apocalypse Now. Yes. I th- that's what I thought, too. It's a little tenuous, but yeah. that's fine. <laughs> so Captain Liberty and Tick immediately rush out. Batman Well tells Arthur, yeah, I wouldn't go out there. Uh, Apocalypse Cow is a 50-foot tall like monster cow and shoots fire from her teats. And the Tick yells, come on, Arthur. We got to fight fire with Arthur, which I love <laughs> that line. And while all this chaos is happening, uh, Batman Well gets a phone call and it's just like, oh, Diego, how's your sister? Yeah, that's the end of the episode. It is. Um, So we're going to take a quick little break and we'll be right back with some ideas for what could have been. Hey, Jen. Hey, Micah. Remember watching the Friends premiere? No, I never saw that. Oh, but remember those first Wu-Tang solo albums that came out? No, I don't. Remember that terrible Frasier theme song? Oh, my God. Remember I was sent away from home when I was 16, sent to, like, the middle of nowhere, Montana, therapeutic boarding school. None of this rings a bell. Oh, yeah. Join us for I Never Saw That, a podcast about mid-90s pop culture and Montana. What about ER? You saw that, though, right? No! So, Jacob, had this show continued... What kind of episodes do you think we would have seen? Well, um, I think that, I mean, I read this, I, I guess not an interview per se, but it was sort of an ask me anything on Slashdot uh, when the show was, you know, it was, it was first coming out. And he was talking about, you know, some of the things that he wished it had been different and stuff and how some of the episodes were better than others while they were like trying to figure out what the characters were. So, I mean, in general, I just feel like they would have continued to get a better handle on what the characters were. Um, and, you know, one, one of the elements of the first season, which I kind of like, I am a person who will often appreciate sort of a concept that is funny, even if the implementation isn't that funny. <laughs> um, and in this case, one of the things I appreciate about it is it's a superhero show where you see virtually no heroic activity whatsoever. Like mostly it's, uh, you know, I suppose Seinfeld style shenanigans where they're like trying to get out of some bad situation they've gotten themselves into uh so it's probably would have been more things like that but uh just a little better as you figure out how to get the tick into that um with that said i would have liked to see more kind of interesting super super villains um like what would be good what would be a good super villain for this show um oh maybe like a mind reader or something who just gets frustrated because there basically is nothing inside the tick's head <laughs> i something like that might be a good villain for the for this show 
Yeah, I feel like that could make a great episode. Like, everybody else is, like, on the ground, like, freaking out, having, like, scarecrow-type visions or something. And the tick's just standing there like, is it nap time? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like they could have played a lot more with uh, Batman well and the fact that he is essentially a parody of Batman. Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe we meet his arch enemy named the Silent Killer, and it's a mime instead of, like, the Joker who's a clown. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, Right. Like, some of the other superheroes could have arch enemies that get pulled into it. Um, And I kind of like, I mean, this is more or less what you you were just talking about, uh, but, like, situations where, you know, maybe one or two episodes where, for one reason or another, the tick ends up being the most sane one of the group and has to kind of deal with being the responsible one. Um, that could be like a fun reversal. Right. Like kind of like, um, uh, I don't know if you watch Futurama, but the episode where the brains attack and Fry is the only one not affected. Oh yeah. I guess Futurama did do that already, but I feel like that could definitely work for this, especially with a character. So kind of like unaware of his situation. Mm hmm. And like, maybe he could even like accidentally like figure out what's supposed to go on. Or, like, accidentally solve the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. And who who do you think would be, like, good cameos? Because uh, in the first season, um, geez, Dave Foley was, had a cameo in one episode. Um, I'm calling up the Wikipedia entry. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ron Perlman had one, too. Yes, that's right. Um, I feel like they could have, uh, like, again, played around with the whole superhero show convention and had, like, Adam West on, especially because he's such a brilliant comedic actor. Yes, I agree with that. Um, yeah, or, and, uh, yeah, and and maybe, you know, like, I don't know, I'm not sure if this, I guess this is continuing in 2002, so I'm trying to remember who was around then, but maybe, like, Maybe some comedians of the time, like Janine Garofalo, maybe, or I don't know. Uh, again, I don't want to turn this into a mystery man situation. But. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I feel like um, like uh, David Cross would have been a good kind of cameo. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because this was around the time of like Mr. Show. He was kind of rising in star power a little bit. Mm hmm. Now, you uh, bring us to a fun segment uh, called Why in the World Isn't Wallace Shawn on This Show? Oh, yeah. What kind of uh, cameo do you think Wallace Shawn would have had? Oh, that would be a really good... He would be great in this. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Well, I mean, the obvious thing would be like a, a you know, a superhero, like a sort of older superhero or sidekick who becomes kind of a mentor to Arthur for an episode. I kind of would like him to be a uh, a sidekick who then turns out to be, you know, to be a villain who wants to rid the city of superheroes or something. But also maybe he's just someone from Arthur's old job who is who wants to try to tempt him back. And, you know, those are some things I'm thinking of. I, I like both of those ideas. I feel like... um someone like he definitely fits the role of an accountant 
I feel like it could have been like a reversal too. Like he decides he wants to be a superhero and he asks Arthur to mentor him. Mm-hmm. And Arthur's very like hesitant. And like maybe at the very end, Arthur's kind of uh, struggling with the guilt because now Wallace Shawn has to poop with a machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also like the idea that he is a uh, former sidekick that uh, he's like tired of being second fiddle. So he becomes a villain named second fiddle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. And the the main uh, hero is, you know, the maestro or something. Exactly. Yeah. But those are definitely, definitely great ideas. I think it would be great if there is like um, going more into like the parody route. Uh, somebody finds the tick and thinks like, oh, we should give him a like a talk show. We don't have any superhero talk shows. Oh, yeah. And like part of the episode is Batman. Well, trying to figure out like, oh, why wasn't I chosen? I'm very charismatic. And he keeps trying to, like, impress the producer, who's Wallace Shawn. And Wallace Shawn is just having none of it. And the tick is, like, just all in with this show. Um, he realizes that he has to have writers, so he can't really say what he wants to say. And Arthur thinks, like, something nefarious is happening. Turns out uh, the producer is a villain named The Censor, who's kind yeah. of, uh, like, choosing what the tick can and can't say and like using him for like his own mouthpiece kind of. Mm-hmm. And then tick realizes and he goes like, that's against the first amendment or something like that. Yeah. And I think the uh, talk show would be called TikTok. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. So that's the next live action tick thing. Exactly. <laughs> that is uh, my new podcast where we talk about, uh, <laughs> What could have happened with the tick? (laughs) So how do you think this show would have ended? Oh, well, hmm. I mean, it's hard, right? Because I don't know. I feel like it's fundamental to the tick that he never learns anything. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it kind of has to end on an up note where he sort of gets what he wants, but maybe... Maybe he realized that it's that it isn't what he wants after all. So, you know, maybe there's a statue, you know, like he beats. He protects the city to such an extent that all the supervillains flee and he has to go on to the next city or something. Uh, I don't know if Arthur goes with him or not, but it's like not it's not the end of his story. It's just the end of this phase of his story. So he goes to uh, New Rochelle or whatever um, to clean up things there. See, I like that because then we could have like an like emotional ending with Arthur where he's like, come on, Arthur, let's go. And Arthur's like, well, no, this is my city. I had to stay here just in case to protect it. And the tick has to like realize, oh, well, me moving on doesn't mean Arthur's going to be moving on. And I have to accept that. Oh, you know, another so <laughs> another episode I would like to see changing back to an earlier segment is mm-hmm. just I remember in the animated show there was. There was one episode, I think in the second season, where Arthur and the the Tick have a fight because the Tick keeps spending Arthur's money and Arthur doesn't have much money. And there's a scene where the Tick sings this nonsense song of heartbreak and betrayal. Um, And uh, 
I just want to see the tick sing more. So that <laughs> so a musical episode I would be up for, even though maybe that's a terrible idea. I just want to see that. But anyway, um, that's probably not how you want to end the series, though. <laughs> musical episode seems kind of like a like middle of the series. <laughs> yeah, I think so. When they're starting to run out of ideas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Crossover with Cop Rock. There we go. <laughs> Greatest TV show of all time. <laughs> uh, I think it would have been funny if they ended it with um, maybe the ticks watching TV or something and going back to the Seinfeld thing. He sees an episode with David Putty and he goes, hold up a second. That looks like me. So he decides to leave and go to Hollywood to try and find answers to see if maybe he's Patrick Warburton. Oh, then we get like, again, that whole like heartbreaking scene, like, I got to go, Arthur. Are you coming with me? And Arthur's like, no, I have to stay here and protect the city. And we get like heartfelt goodbyes from everyone. And he gets on the bus very much like uh, the scene from the beginning of this episode with like, I was the tick. Right. And then like credits roll. We get a post credit scene where he like shows up to some set and Patrick Warburton is actually there. And we have like kind of like a parent trap style, like same actor playing two different characters. And he's just like, oh, well, I guess I'm not an actor. I like it. Uh, yeah, I kind of like that because I don't really want to, the tick to find out his past or why he's called the tick, which is nothing that I don't think is ever explained in any version of this story. Um, so I don't really want it to find out the answer to that in this in the series, but the idea of him evidently by him going off in search of the answers that makes sense to me that could and that seems i feel like that could work yeah um now i think we have uh milk this tick for all we can uh yes so, and that's going to be the end of this episode uh jacob if people want to find more of you and your show how would they do so so i'm a musician as well as having a podcast um so you can find everything at my website jacobhaller.com and that links to my music and whatnot. And then the podcast that I'm that I'm currently active on is called Love You Like Crazy, Love YA Like Crazy, uh, which is at loveyoulikecrazy.com. And that is a podcast where me and my co-host Carrie talk about young adult books, kind of ranting about them and whatnot. Um, or in the last episode, uh, we talked about mostly about a cat that is a character in the book <laughs> and uh, that we loved a whole lot. And made us cry so it, it's fun listen to it yep definitely check that out and if you want to find oh what's uh your social media for that oh um let's see good question well we are on facebook if you search for love you like crazy you'll find the page and there's also a secret group which you are welcome to join if you are interested in um and then our Twitter account is LoveYAPod. So definitely check out those shows. And uh, also follow on Twitter and Facebook. Um, I was listening to the... Um, I, I just started getting back into Riverdale, so I listened to your guys' episode on Riverdale. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely a fun show. Um, both Riverdale and Love You Like Crazy. <laughs> um, so definitely check those out. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at Unaired Podcast on pretty much everything. Uh, thanks again for coming on, Jacob. 
thanks for having me. This is a pleasure. And I, you know, I kind of wrote to you out of the blue and was like, hey, want to talk about the tick? And you said yes. So I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you basically getting me to rewatch this weird gem from my uh, youth. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just remember, everybody, some things are better left unaired. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.